there. Thank you for connecting with me and subscribing to the Living the Sky Life podcast. I hope that the content of each episode brings you hope, connection, and some valuable takeaways. The Special Needs Parenting Village is large, so you should never feel like you have to travel this journey alone. Please connect with me through my website, Facebook page, or Instagram account, and let's keep this conversation going after each episode airs. If you are enjoying the podcast and are listening on Apple iTunes, please leave a rating and review or share Living the Sky Life with others. Thanks again for tuning in to Season 2 of Living the Sky Life. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Living the Sky Life. My guest today is Soraya Gloudmans. Soraya is the mom of three children. Her oldest son, Nolan, has been diagnosed with autism. Soraya runs a blog called Stay at Home Zookeeper, where she shares the true messiness of being a parent. It includes everything from autism parenting, neurotypical parenting, home updates, favorite products, and life mom hacks. She is a former early childhood teacher and married her high school sweetheart, who is a pharmacist. Together, they are navigating the many approaches to raising a child on the spectrum with siblings who are neurotypical. Please enjoy my conversation with Soraya. Welcome back to Living the Sky Life. My guest today is Soraya. Um, you may know her as Stay at Home Zookeeper on her social media. That's where I found her, and I'm so excited to get into all the things. So uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. Absolutely. I love your social media account. It cracks me up. You seem like you're running in a million directions always, but you have it all handled and you always do everything with a laugh and a smile. So it just kind of cracks me up. So I don't know how you do it all, but maybe we'll figure that out today. (laughs) I definitely, I definitely don't feel as composed as it sometimes looks. I definitely feel like the feed is one of those like on Instagram versus reality things. Yeah. And I, I try to show that reality, but sometimes the reality is just really ugly. (laughs) Yeah, it can be. We've had an ugly bout the last few months. So I've been kind of absent. So I need to kind of get back out there, but just not in the mood. It just kind (laughs) of strikes sometimes, but, um, well, you know, let's just talk about, get right into the autism part of your life and how that kind of came to be a word that your family uses on a regular basis. Um, you mentioned that um, your son, Nolan, and he is how old? He is just about to turn seven. So he is, he's six, but his birthday's in like six weeks. Okay. Um, that he has regressive autism. So yes. tell me a little bit about that, lab- that particular label of regressive autism and kind of what his childhood was like, his early years. Sure. Um, so Nolan was, had a very normal birth, normal delivery Um, I actually was high risk when I was pregnant with him, they found out, um, I have what's called irritable uterus. So basically I start having Braxton Hicks as early as like, at this point it was 20 weeks and they were every five minutes, like on schedule following a contraction schedule. But, um, that's all it is, is it's basically contractions, but they didn't know that with Nolan being my first pregnancy. So I was put on quite a few medications to stop the contractions because they didn't want them obviously to progress to labor at 20, I think 28 weeks I was hospitalized. Um, But other than that, like it was a very normal pregnancy and then normal delivery and honestly, extremely normal first two years. He was on, if not ahead of all of his milestones. Um, He was 
13 months old when we got pregnant with his sister, Stella. And um, it was completely normal through that. Um, when Stella was born, he had some little regressions, little things like throwing more fits and um, a little bit more particular about being held down, not held down, but like come and take a picture with us for family photos. He was resistant to that. And we were like, well, he just had a brand new sister. He's not even two yet. That's pretty typical regression. And then I remember it was his sister's baptism. He was, he was July. So he was just short of being two. And he started lining up all of the, the leftover cans that were in the cooler the day after the party. And we are like, well, he's in a train phase. He's loving Chuggington. So he's just playing trains with these cans. And it was kind of a red flag because I have an early childhood background, but at the same time, like he's a kid, like they can line up things. Not everything is a sign of something more. And then we noticed um, his nephew or my nephew, his cousin is six weeks younger than him. And they were always neck and neck with all of their development. And Nolan was often a little bit ahead of him. And then all of a sudden they were, they were pretty on par at two. And then it only took, I think it was three weeks after his second birthday, I noticed he wasn't with his cousin anymore. And it wasn't far behind, but I'm like to go from ahead of him to with him to behind him. Again, it could be because he got a sister and his cousin didn't get a sister. So it could be that, but I just, I can't be sure. And then that same weekend that I noticed that I had a dream and I literally shot up from bed, sitting up. And I said, no one has autism. And my husband's laying next to me like, what are you talking about? I'm like, my dream, Nolan has autism. Like, he's like, I mean, I've been telling you there's some regressions, but do we really need to jump there? And I'm like, I think he has autism. And he's like, how do you know? I'm like, I mean, all these tiny, tiny signs could be, but they also could be nothing. But my gut all of a sudden in a dream told me he has autism. And that was on Labor Day. So then we got home on Monday night and I literally called our early intervention program on Tuesday morning and said, I need him evaluated. I'm pretty sure he has autism. And they're like, okay, well, I guess we'll get that process started. And all through that process, everyone was like, well, he could have autism. It might be autism. These could be signs. They could be his sister. They could be. And at this point, he's now regressing more and more. And I'm like, okay, we got him in for OT because he was very hyper and he he was his gross motor skills are off the charts. The kid can balance on a balance beam. He can jump with two feet. He can balance on one foot. He can climb the monkey bars. So like his gross motor skills are on. So I don't have to worry about like hypertonia or anything like that, but also he can't stop doing it. So we had OT out for, to like meet those sensory needs in other ways. And then I'm like, I want speech out here. And they're like, well, if he's not, you know, regressing in speech, he's just not learning more speech. You're like, no, let's, let's call the, that speech person in. And the speech came in and they worked with them. And our early intervention, intervention programs are through the county. They are um, income-based or they're, excuse me, they're not income-based. So you might have, if you have some income, like they'll take your numbers. And if you make a certain number, you might have to pay like a small fee, but it's, it's very minimal but it's not really at a cost for that therapy. And so we did that and they helped. I mean, they were there, they were a therapist, but they, 
they don't have the resources and the tools to like really dive deep in there. And I'm like, I want them, I want them tested for autism. And they're like, well, it could be, you know, it's, it's not really severe. If he is, it's very minor. And like, I just, I know you can get the services you need if you have a diagnosis. So I just, I want to take that route. And he was two years, three months and got the official diagnosis. And he was already at that point, a level two, three on the spectrum. And um, who assigned him the diagnosis? Um, Did you have to go to a practitioner for that official? We went to a psychologist, a child psychologist um, at a local um, behavioral and mental health facility. And um, they did a whole gamut of testing. And yeah, they came out two or three. And we were like, here's people are saying it may be, it could be. And he's already yeah. at a two, three. And even then we were like, but he's talking and he's doing this. And we knew he was regressing and we knew there were signs and we knew it was autism at that point. But it just didn't feel like there's no way he's at the same level as someone who needs, you know, has severe needs and needs help with everything. A three is you basically need someone with you pretty consistently. So we're like, there's no way, no way he's there. And then as time goes on and we're getting all these therapies, we're regressing and regressing. And he's in, he graduated from birth to three, our county program here. And he went into the public school early childhood program. And they're still, I mean, he's still talking. He's still requesting things. He's in ABA therapy. He's in public school. We're getting 40 hours between the two of them, maybe more. I can't even remember <laughs> the point. And he's still like regressing where he went down to, um, he had about 50 plus words when he was two to, um, he went to like the echolalial phase where he would go through the same scripts every time. Um, he had bumped his head and he would go, whoop, bumped your head. Be careful. You okay? Oh, it's slippery. And like, he would go through this whole phase, but it literally like, but he has words and he's putting it in context. He'd fake fall to make us laugh and then go through that little spiel. So we're like, he's still social. He's still talking. So, you know, we'll truck, we'll truck through this. And then words just kind of slowly dropped off. And then it turned into like, he would have a word for like cookie. We're like, say cookie. If you want a cookie, you have to say cookie. And he would say like, do do. And we're like, no, you know how to say cookie. Say cookie. And he's like, do do. We're like, no, cookie. And he's like, do do. And he'd get mad. And we're like, I think you think you're saying cookie. Like your brain is interpreting that as I'm saying what you want. Why are you making me repeat it so many times? So then we would give him the cookie and he'd be satisfied. So it was almost like his brain started transferring what like his brain forgot how to really make the word sound. So he was making what his brain thought was that sound. And then it just trickled off to like, I think he got so frustrated that we weren't understanding what he was saying. Like, I'm saying cookie, why are you making me say it? That he just got frustrated and stopped talking. And then it was almost like his brain forgot how to make those sounds. Um, I had listened to you or podcast a couple of weeks ago um, with the speech pathologist Mm -hmm. and they were saying like Mm -hmm. yes how they were saying how it's like they they make the sound but they can't recall how to tell their brain to do it again and I kind of feel like that was like I feel that's him like I feel like his brain saying the words but it can't figure out how to translate it to English and then he'll make a random sound and we're all cheerful and he's like great I said it I have no idea how to do it again yeah and and that's kind of where we're at right now is he's 
got no real words at all. Um, a lot of approximations or we'll say something and also we think he copies us, but my husband's like, I'm pretty sure he's just babbling. And I'm like, I heard pants on. He's like, he said, Bapa. And I'm like, yeah, pants on. That's two syllables. Like, I think he's, <laughs> I, I think he's trying to replicate our sounds, but doesn't know how, but he's at least like, okay, I'll give you two syllables, pants on, Bapa. And it's a very fine line <laughs> between, is it really language? But, um, so he's seven now and, um, he has minimal to no words. I mean, has he lost yeah. almost all his vocabulary? So yeah, I would say seen, he has none. Have you seen then? I mean, I can only imagine, like I try to do every day with Skylar because he's never said a word and you know, he's 18. Um, how frustrating that is. And just why some of his behaviors are what they are because he's just irritated. So have you seen new behaviors and increased behaviors that are not really, you know, a positive thing um, with Nolan since his vocabulary has fallen off? Is he getting more aggressive or anxious or any of um, that? I wouldn't say aggressive. He's never been aggressive. Um, he's never had self-harming behaviors. He's never had harm of others. Um, but he's, he, I would say he's more agitated. And I think going back to that speech where he, we, he would try and we would keep correcting him. I feel like he has some anxieties about trying new things now. Cause he's like, well, you're going to tell me I'm doing it wrong anyway. Why even try? So I noticed a lot of like anxieties and stuff like that with it, but yeah, it's, it's, I haven't seen a, like I said, the aggression he's never had. Thank goodness. That's but, great. Um, but I can tell he's frustrated. We just had a stomach bug on Friday and I'm laying next to him and he's throwing up every hour on the hour. So like I can tell he's miserable. I know he's completely dehydrated at this point and he keeps taking my arm and he like puts it on his shoulder and I like massage his shoulders and he's like, nope, that's not it. And he like shrugs me off. And then he, then he puts it on his belly and I'm like, I know your belly hurts. I, I, I can't give you medicine. You keep throwing it back up you know, try to get some sleep. It'll help you feel better. And then he like takes my hand and he puts it on his head and then he pushes it off. Nope. That's not it. And I don't think he hundred percent knew, but he knew he needed something and he knew I wasn't figuring it out. So we're both just like, eh, like they're both were just like, I don't, I don't know. And I think that gets harder because as he gets older, he does know what he wants, but he's unable to communicate it. Like when you're two and you're sick, you just want mommy and you don't know what you need, but you need mom to fix it. Or I felt like he genuinely knew I need pressure here, but I have no idea how to tell my mom. If you just put pressure on, on my back, it won't hurt. So, you know, like he knows, and he's so frustrated that I don't know. And I'm like, I, I just want to hold you like when you were two and just go back to that. Because I feel like that's, that's what I know how to do. I know how to love you, cuddle you, but I, I, I don't know, buddy. Does he show any interest in um, like AAC device or PECs or uh, does he still do ABA? He does do ABA, um, our school district, he's in a public school system and they have been phenomenal with like balancing our ABA therapy. So he is, he just finished kindergarten mm -hmm. and kindergarten is a full day program, but they let him go to ABA therapy in the morning and then bust him to kindergarten in the afternoon. And we really like that because it gave him that balance of life skills and how to use your device and all of that stuff. And then he went and got the academics in the afternoon because our ABA center isn't like certified to teach, you know, they don't have teaching degrees. Um, so I felt like it was a very good balance. And he 
does have a, an iPad with ProLoquo to go for um, AAC. We were actually gifted that through our Kiwanis Club. They have an iPads for autism program. Nice. And um, he had been going to private speech since he was two and they got him in that program and then we're teaching him how to use it. And then we would have, he went to speech at school and then the ABA center would reinforce everything that those two sections worked on. So we would actually um, this past year have monthly collaboration meetings. So we would get on a Zoom call, which was kind of the cool thing that came out of COVID is everyone's like, oh, we can just do everything on Zoom. And and we actually had more meetings that way than we ever had pre-COVID. So we actually had these monthly collaboration meetings and his school special ed teacher, his school speech, his school OT, his um, head person, I can't, I don't know all the letters, BCBA maybe, Mm -hmm. um, at ABA therapy. And then um, myself would meet once a month to loop in everybody on the same page, like what way we want to use the device when we have requests. And hey, if you say, you know, patch on, he will leave his medicine patch on. So we had common language. We had a very big unified approach to Nolan. And it was so great that we had these Zoom meetings once a month to collaborate. Um, nice when that all works out. I mean, it, that is the been, model that people all should try to aspire to because that is the confusing part is it can be one simple word that you're saying wrong. Um, we have a behavioral therapist that goes to Skylar's ABA center. And then she emails me and kind of reports back to me of things that she noticed that maybe they do. And she's been in our house. So she knows how we say it. It can be something as simple as we say, pick it up when he throws something and they say, Skylar, get it. And he's like, I have no idea what you're talking about when we say pick it up because that's not what they say there. I mean, it's something very simple that can throw them off completely and almost kind of undo a lot of the work that you've done. So kudos to your team that they all work together and they want to work together for the betterment of Nolan. Yeah, it's, awesome. it was absolutely a blessing. And, um, and that's definitely exactly how it is. Like he has a, a medicine patch that's on his back and he keeps trying to take it off. And that's the thing where they were like, Nolan, hands off or don't touch. I'm like, we say patch on. And they're like, oh, okay. And then he'd go do it. They're like, patch on. And he's like, oh, okay. Like, I know what that means. So yeah. it was it was a totally, once we all got on the same page and used the same words, he was like, oh yeah, I know what that means. Like, sure, sure. I'll leave that alone. Well, you had mentioned to me before that he also has a seizure disorder. Um, is that what the medicine patches for or- um, is that, that is, else? that is for something else. So okay. he, um, he's on a couple of medications. He's on one medication. So he was diagnosed with insomnia as well. Um, huh. when he was actually two and a half. So he stopped napping. He started taking three, four hours to go to sleep. He'd be up for two, three hours in the middle of the night. And I had a newborn at this point. So now I am nursing while rocking and trying to do all of that at once. So we went and had a sleep study done and he was diagnosed with just, you basically have insomnia. You have trouble sleeping. So I've never he, heard that with a, a baby. Yeah, I, it was, it was insane, but also they prescribed um, a medication that was supposed to help him go to sleep and it worked very well. I mean, it takes 45 minutes to kick in and we give it to him right before his bedtime routine. And we still have to do a very regimented routine. We still, 
do all of that stuff and the natural stuff, you know, do a bath, have lavender, calm down. Like it's not a cure-all fix-all, but it definitely helped his body be like, oh, all right, that's what I'm supposed to start winding down. Um, so we got that medication and then that would help him fall asleep, but it would not help him stay asleep. So then we went and looked into a medication to help him stay asleep. And he got on that um, and it was working great. So now he's on two sleep meds, one to go to sleep, one to stay asleep. And then um, we just, with the way his language just dropped off kind of the way it did, we went and saw a neurologist to kind of see, was there something going on that caused that, that disconnect quite literally. Um, and the neurologist did a 24 hour EEG. We've and done that. <laughs> it's, not <laughs> fun. it's not fun. And I was at this point, 12 weeks pregnant with our third. And so I mean, I can see why it's the zookeeper. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> In your account. So, yeah. So I was, I, and we got a sitter for our daughter. And then the two of us were in the, we had to stay in the hospital overnight for this EEG and we're in the hospital, but they didn't want him on his sleep meds because they wanted to know if the lack of sleep, like if that triggered a seizure, but also they wanted one of his sleep meds was a seizure medication. So they didn't want it to cover up anything that may be underlying. So we had to take him off of his sleep meds and then go to the hospital and tie him up to a machine and try that for 24 hours. And it was miserable. We finally got him to sleep and then they wanted us to like turn up the lights on him so they could see him like, cause they had a, a visual of him. And every time we turned the lights up, he'd wake up and then he would scream and it would be this whole, it wasn't a scream, like angry. It was a meltdown. Like I, I know I'm tired. He was tired and he's in a new place and it wasn't his routine and it was it was very difficult and so it was it was a very rough day and then they finally they came in and they basically said he is having neuronal instability and basically he's not having a seizure because to be classified a seizure it has to be three seconds or longer and his is like 2.5 so he's not having like this full-on seizure but he's having seizure-like activity but because he's having this in his sleep, they think one, it's waking him up. Like it's like getting a shock in his brain. So that's waking him up. And um, one of the sleep meds he was on then was suppressing that. So that was actually a seizure medication on top of it. So we actually were told just resume that same medication. It is helping him. And then um, he's at super high risk of grand mal seizures. So we got a, um, the pen, uh, it's like a, a response. If he has a seizure lasting more than three minutes, you have to give him this rectal gel that's supposed to suppress it. Yeah, those two. And <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like the EpiPen of seizures. Yeah. The school had to have one and we yeah. had to have one. Yep. We keep one in our, um, in our diaper bag or car bag at all times. He has one at school and he has one at the ABA center. And, um, and so, yeah, we had that. And then he was some days stimming so hard. Like he um, drums and taps for his stimming and flaps his fingers. Um, not like the, like you see in the movies flapping, but like yeah. flicks his fingers. Just his and, fingers. Mm -hmm. Yes. And um, 
does he's good this kid has rhythm and beat like we say all the time he's going to be a drummer when he grows up because he can do two different things with his hands he's got the best drumming skills of anyone i've ever seen but it was to the point some days where he was drumming so hard he was winded like he was physically exhausted from doing it and you couldn't until you like touched him and got his attention couldn't break him from that like you couldn't say his name to get him to break from that so yeah it was like he was in a trance and i'm like i don't care if he stims he can drum till his heart's content but it can't be all he does like his body has to be able to do multitask or separate that so we brought that up to our neurologist and he was kind of it it's not like an adhd thing but it's like his body just always is looking for that sensory input that he stims to meet that sensory input so i'm like there has to be a way that he doesn't always need the sensory input i still want him to stim when he needs to meet that i don't want to take that skill away from him but i feel like he needs to i want him to stim while listening to a teacher i want him to stim while doing something else and so they gave him this um medicated patch that he wears to kind of help him just not need as much sensory input. Um, huh, I've never heard of that. That's interesting. And it's actually, <laughs> we found out it's the same medication that he takes to go to sleep. So he takes it orally to go to sleep, but he takes it in a patch that lasts seven days on his back during the week. So he's on the same medication twice, but for totally different reasons. Yeah. Well, and it's a different delivery system too, when yes. it's topical like that with the yes. patch, but that's interesting. Has, I mean, these are probably dumb questions. You've probably already done it, but ha- have you guys tried like fidgets? Um, one of the things that uh, Kelly, I don't know if you follow Kelly with growing up Steven. Um, she's so awesome. Steven's 30. Um, but she's always told me like back in the day, Steven couldn't control his hands either and his need to stim. And so they figured out putting a fidget spinner in his pocket. He could stick his hand in his pocket when he felt the need to stim and play with that fidget spinner, but he could focus on what it was that they were having him do, you know, in addition to that. So just wondered if Nolan likes pockets and if he could stick some things in his pockets to play with while he's focusing on the teachers or whatever. We have definitely tried just about every fidget out there and he likes them but he often goes back to the drumming on them. Um, We're very, very like, I don't care what you look like. I don't care if you need it to take care of your body, you you can have it. So we've tried um, lap pads to have that deep pressure Um, that helps in the car, him get less fidgety in the car. Um, We have the poppers, which he likes to do for like 30 seconds. And he's like, yep, that was cool. (laughs) Um, and, um, we've, we've tried the fidget spinners, those he didn't care about at all. Um, we've gone through jewelry is a big help for him. So if he can be chewing on something while doing something else that has helped, we tried gum chewing, but we swallowed a lot of gum. So it's, (laughs) it's a part of his ABA program, but they only run it once a day because, they only want him swallowing one piece of gum a day. They feel like it should be spaced out. I'm like, I feel that. Like, I'm okay with that. <laughs> um, so we, we've been through the gamut with that. His favorite, absolute favorite toy right now is a whisk. He um, loves, he was stealing all my whisks. And um, he loves cool to sound drum. when it hits the counter. Yeah. Yes. 
so he loved my whisks, but um, the metal ones were causing some damage and I needed my whisk. <laughs> so we got child locks on our kitchen cabinet so he couldn't steal my whisk anymore. And then we were buying him like the silicone coated whisks yeah. mm-hmm. so that he, we, I'm like, that's what you want for Christmas. He literally got a whisk from our neighbor and our neighbor's yeah. like, he wants a whisk. I'm like, he wants a whisk, a silicone coated whisk. And it was literally his favorite Christmas present this yeah. past year. So, um, Isn't that funny. We've yeah. gotten Skylar before. If anyone was here, they'd be like, you guys are the worst parents ever. <laughs> we, we filled his stocking with dog toys, the specific ones that are bumpy balls yeah. and that squeak because anytime we would squeak the dog toy for the dog, he'd start cracking up. It was something yeah. about that sound and the textured balls that he really liked. So we're like, all right, well, I mean, yep. there's no toy that the kid likes that is a real toys for kids um, yep. ever. He's never really fixated on any object or anything other than dog toys. Yep. So I we have a big it up. <laughs> yep. And he likes like the, the rubber coating on, yep. on the dog toys as well. So we have a lot of, he, well, we have two dogs, so he will steal theirs. And then my mom has two dogs, but she has a, um, a great Dane. So we're talking big dog. Yeah. And so big dog has giant toys, but they're like the Kong, like super durable yeah. ones because she's a big dog. And those are a top favorite because they're like these ultra tough rubbery toys. So he'll drum those then he'll chew on those. And I was like, um, does no one has a dog toy? And I'm like, yep. They're like, you don't need to take away. Nope. And they're like, isn't he going to get sick? Probably. But it, you can only say no so many times. So it's his now. Like, <laughs> I think there are definitely bigger battles to to face than stopping them from stemming or using, you know, toys that aren't necessarily appropriate toys for them. You know, it's not worth it. I have even read several um, autistic adults have said that like a couple of things that they repeat over and over to parents is that, you know, don't force eye contact because it's, it's really hard for them because Mm -hmm. of your eyebrows and your facial expressions, in addition to your voice and what you're saying, that's way too much going on stimulation wise. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they always say, don't force that. And also don't force them to stop stimming. Don't physically stop them from stimming and don't like yell at them or prohibit them from stimming because that's their only release of Mm -hmm. a lot of that anxiety that's in them and they can't explain it sometimes. So just let them do what they got to do as long as it's not harmful and they're not going to hurt themselves or someone else right. but and we've tried a lot of like replacements so um there was a we have a cottage up at a lake um and he likes to um pick up the snails off the ground and like suck on those and we're like buddy oh. like that's a lot of bacteria so so we're like here try a chewy so we don't take the mouthing away but it's like let's use something a little bit more sanitary um that'd be a hard so one. <laughs> there's, there's a couple trades we do we and like so we try not to take it away but sometimes like we got to at least trade it. Cause that's, yeah. that's gross, but <laughs> that's pretty, that's pretty gnarly. It, it was pretty uh, gross. <laughs> <laughs> well, your blog, um, I referenced in the beginning, stay at home zookeeper, which is so fitting. It's awesome. <laughs> um, you know, it's just your honest account of motherhood of three little ones. I mean, I consider them still quite little yeah. seven and under, um, you know, what made you decide to just kind of put your life out there and just share all of that stuff? Because I'm grateful that you did. I, I just think we can all learn from each other and all the different aspects of our autism life, our mothering life, our neurotypical kids and all of that. So um, it started, it was kind of a combo. So my dad lives in South Carolina. We're in Wisconsin. So um, 900 miles are between us. So it started mm-hmm. with like, 
keeping my dad in the loop. So mm-hmm. it was more of a, and then when Nolan was going through his diagnosis process, it was easier for me to write a post and share it on my Facebook than tell everybody. Yeah. And it wasn't that I was embarrassed. It was like, I would well up in tears or it was a very emotional experience or I'd leave out details or it wasn't like well thought out. So I wanted a place to just dump my thoughts. It was therapeutic for me to dump. And then the people who wanted, who cared enough about us and what was going on would read it because they would see it on the Facebook. Facebook was very different. You know, like it's, I feel like it's making a huge shift. Um, And it was kind of like my journal. So I did a lot of, it was like my online journal. And at the same time, I had just finished teaching. And while I was teaching, I had um, a blog for other teachers. So I would make stuff and share it on there. And that feeling of like someone saying, oh, thank you. I was looking for this was, was a good feeling. And now that I was home and not getting that reinforcement that I was doing it right. <laughs> like when you're teaching, there was a lot of, you know, kids get test scores and parents say thank you and you keep your job and all of that reinforcement that you're doing it right. And staying home, I wasn't getting any of that. So I wanted to start writing when I was writing it down, people were saying, Oh, I'm so glad you looked into speech for him. I'm like, Oh, I'm doing it right. Okay. So it was just, it felt like it was very reinforcement for me. Like I get to dump my feelings. I get positive reinforcement for other people. And it was kind of meeting all of those areas. And then it kind of morphed into, I found a community too. So then if I find community in someone sharing about all of that stuff, then maybe if I share about it, I'll be somebody else's community. And it started with just the autism stuff. And then it turned into like pregnancy stuff. And then it was deciding to have a child after a diagnosis. Like Stella, we had no diagnosis. We decided to have her because we wanted to expand our family. And then with Bryce, it was, you have a special needs son. You have a daughter who's less than two years younger than him do you add to your family? So then I wanted to talk about that journey and then the balancing of it all. And then I found out I have a lot of mom hacks for lack of a better word that other people are like, wow, that's genius. And I'm like, oh, you guys thought it was a good idea. Well, check out all these other ones. So it kind of morphed into the, to that. And then as we do this more, I am finding, I kind of have an, an, a niche for it. Like I, I like doing it. So then I, when I talk about things that work for me, it turned into products that work for me. And then it kind of, it's kind of forming into a, a lifestyle blog and an influencer kind of a, this is our life. This is what I love. This is what I hate. This is how I get through this. This awesome product helps me handle this. This awesome product helps me with this. Hey, you have this problem as an autism mom. This will work if you have three kids, seven and under, I use this. So it's kind of like a, I I feel like sometimes it's torn. The blog is like, it doesn't have a direction. (laughs) It, it, it's like one of like blogging 101. If you want to do blogging, a lot of times they say it's like pick a niche. And I'm like, I can't because my life isn't a niche. Like I am, I am all over the place all the time. So I think that's kind of where it went into like, this is what I got. So it makes sense though. I mean, I kind of feel that way, you know, I mean, after I wrote my book, I didn't blog really until I, after I wrote my book and I had started the podcast two years 
um, you know, ago or whatever. And I was just kind of getting started on my book then. So everything for me has kind of been out of order, I guess, because a lot of people say, you know, usually you're a blogger and then you just grab a bunch of your blogs and put them together and that's your book. I totally did it the hard way, I guess. But, um, but I, I kind of feel like that now, like I feel guilty if I don't post a blog on Mondays, like I always do, but I live autism every single day for 18 years. I, I always am willing to share anything that happens that's new, like, you know, stomach issues he's going through because people can relate to that. And, you know, just turning an adult now and new stuff that we have to do with guardianships and all that stuff to help somebody that's not there yet. Mm-hmm. I love blogging about all that stuff, but I just, sometimes I struggle with eat, sleeping and breathing, being an autism mom, because there's so much more to me and my career and my life before I had kids and just all of that. So, um, you know, I commend you on sharing other things. You do have two other children too. So to just write about Nolan, you know, as my daughter would say, do you like him better? Yeah. <laughs> like, what do you write about me <laughs> or yeah. something? Do a podcast about me, about normal <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Um, and so I do feel like I, I think it's often, great. That's often the juggle because even just this last week, we try very hard to do everything as a family. Mm-hmm. And there's some times where I'd rather do not do something because all three kids can't do it than do something and leave one kid at home. And it it's a juggle always. Cause then you still like, okay, we'll take sensor breaks with him. But it's like, but I want to watch them at the lake, but he needs me in the cottage, you know, having a sensory break. And it's like that tug between the whole family and doing what that kid needs. And my husband is phenomenal at trading off with me. So it's not like we always have to do like, I always have to do Nolan. So I never get to see what the other kids are doing. It's like, I need, I need you to take Nolan so I can take the kids to the, to the lake. And he'll say, oh, Nolan seems to be having a hard time. Why don't you go take him up potty and take a break or something like that. So we have a, a balance, but you never stop feeling that tug. And I couldn't, I can't separate him from my life either, or I can't just focus on Nolan because honestly, he's in ABA and school. He's gone 7.30 to 3.30. So I have a life of with two other kids and juggles and struggles that happen in those times too. And we have normal, I mean, we're going through the terrible twos right now. And that's, that's happening. Even though I still have a seven-year-old with autism, I have a terrible twos at home. And I, it's kind of crazy because I feel like they're at the same level with a lot of things too. So everything is an assembly line here. So it's like, well, if someone has a couple toddlers, you know, multiples or whatever, they're going to have to do assembly line just like me. It doesn't matter that he has autism. It's, it's how to do an assembly line with three children and color coding my kids and all these little, again, hacks that I do. And I just, I cannot figure out how to separate my life because this is my life. Like it's a constant juggle and I can't, can't have three accounts. My brain can't handle that. So <laughs> you get one with all my life or you get none. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Just pick a, pick the pieces that work for you and yes. then you know, move on or whatever. Well, how do um, we, we've mentioned Stella and Bryce a couple of mm-hmm. times. How old is Stella? Is she, so Stella, she's five. She, just, she just turned five. Okay. Um, how, how do they interact and how do all three of them play together? Since it's great. You said Nolan's not aggressive, which is awesome because that presents a whole nother challenge with parenting multiple kids. Um, if you have to kind of keep some from the others so they don't get hurt, but, um, 
do they all just so close, so close in age? I imagine they have fun and they can do a lot of the same things together. Yes. Um, Stella and Nolan are the best of friends. She uh-huh. is, she is the best caregiver. We say all the time that God gave us her to be with him and not as a, I need you to take care of him, be his babysitter, but just, she feels him like, um, like little things like she'll hold his hand and like, or we're, we're going up to from like, it's time for to get ready for bed and they'll be all in the backyard. I'm like, all right, everybody time to come in. And he'll be still playing on the trail. She's like, I'll go get him. And she'll just take his hand and they walk in hand in hand. And, um, right now she's in a phase of, she wants, she only will do it if Nolan's doing it. So do you want to put your swimsuit on? Well, does Nolan have a swimsuit on? I'm like, yeah, but he's got his t-shirt on as well. Okay. I will wear my swimsuit if I can wear my dress on as well, because that's what Nolan's doing. And like, that's inclusion at its finest. It is. It is. She <laughs> is the best. And she said a couple times now that when she grows up, she wants to be an autism helper. And we don't know what that means. We don't know if she wants to be his caregiver. She wants to go into like an ABA therapy center. We don't know if she wants to be a special ed teacher, but she's going to be an autism helper. And it melts our heart because we never make her be a caregiver, but she just naturally took on the mother hen. And with them so close in age, yeah. they, they are just two peas in a pod. And that's so Nolan, sweet. Nolan and her actually, I mean, they did everything from potty training together. She was an early potty trainer. He was a little bit later. So two and four, literally I would consider them potty trained on the same day. Like it was at the same time. And that's so um, nice. Like you said, yeah. I mean, can you imagine if you didn't have her, like if you would have waited yeah. to have her at Bryce's age, like yeah. separation, it would have been interesting because he probably wouldn't have progressed. I mean, they almost operate like they're twins. Yes, so they do. because she wants to do everything he's doing, he probably wants to do everything she's doing. He yes. just doesn't able to communicate that. Yes. So by golly, if she's potty trained, he wants to be potty yeah. trained. He doesn't want to wear those stupid pull-ups if yeah. she's not. So that's, and like, that's awesome. And the advocating, like she'll say things like, that's my brother, Nolan. He can't talk, but we still love him. And, <laughs> and like, just things like, um, I don't know what it, I don't remember what it was, but she was like, he can't talk so well, but we know what's going on. <laughs> like, yes, we do. Does she talk for him? I mean, does she, uh, decipher what he's saying for you guys and um, not so much but she will um play like oh nolan's doing this again and oh we're over here again so he must want so she does like mother hen him yeah um same as you guys just yes. assuming, probably yeah and then it's funny because bryce has just started now he he and stella are just short of three years apart and he will take on that He's slowly taking on that role too. Like, oh, Nolan went outside. (laughs) Thanks, buddy. (laughs) It's funny. Your daughter's going to be, like you said, mother hen. And then Bryce runs behind her and is like making sure she's doing what she's supposed to be doing for her brother. And then he's going to be the little tattletale probably. (laughs) Yeah. So, and um, I wouldn't say Nolan gives him as much attention as he does Stella, but I think it's just, they haven't been around as long. He's only had two years with them. Um, but yeah, there's no aggression. We don't have to keep them apart. I'm very much in the same boat of we do it all or nothing as a lot of the stuff we do. Um, like going for walks, Nolan likes to be, he likes to ride. He can walk. He has the endurance to walk. Like I said, his gross motor skills are amazing, but he likes to sit in his little red wagon and go for a stroll. 
and Bryce is just pokey Joe because he's two. So we put them in the wagon together and then sometimes Stella decides she's done with her bike and she's in the wagon and we'll pull all three kids in the wagon together. Um, we have a double stroller that we got when Stella was born. It's a sit and stand and Bryce will sit in the front. Nolan will sit the other way on the sit part. So his feet are like in the basket underneath and then Stella stands on the stand part. And I take all three kids on my double stroller all the time. They are they, in good shape. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of work. <laughs> it is. And they're only getting bigger. I yeah. walked the other day to my mom's house. She's just a couple blocks away. And I get there and I'm with it. I'm like, they're only getting bigger. <laughs> and I am not. <laughs> but um, yeah, like they're fine with them touching each other. Um, Nolan's pretty good with space. And every now and then like Bryce will, the routine at night is book, pray, go to bed. And at bedtime, you kiss the other ones goodnight and you go off to your own bed. And we all meet in Nolan's bed. We have since it was just Nolan's bed. And then we added Stella and then we added Bryce and then we disperse after. And he's very tolerant of the, the goodnight kisses and stuff like that. And he'll kiss back if you say, you know, give him a kiss. And he's one who'll be like, lean over and like, I'll allow you to kiss me. And I'm like, no, <laughs> kiss your brother too. And, and every now and then he'll kiss back, but sometimes it's like, okay, I'll allow it. It's kind of the, the look he gives. Um, but then he'll still get disgruntled. Like when they walk across the bed and they like walk across his foot, he gives them this like scowl, like, how dare you step on me? But then he kind of just pushes them off of his feet and we move on. So we're very blessed in that aspect that they're pretty much in the same little bubble all the time. And like you said, with that age, it's very hard. Like I can't trust anyone to be completely on their own all the time. So it's like, all right, like I'll pile into the wagon because none of you can go off on your own yet. So I'm very blessed that they all get together and tolerate that physical touch and all of that stuff together. It's, it's much harder to have Stella and Bryce because then he touched me. He's looking at me. It's my spot. And all of that stuff. So <laughs> that's pretty typical. Yeah. Well, I mean, I agree. You are blessed, but also, I mean, I, I don't think parents give themselves enough credit because they're that way because you and your husband raised them that way. Stella is very um, understanding, accepting, inclusive, all of those things. They don't just inherit those uh, abilities. That's definitely a learned, those are learned behaviors. So watching how you guys interact with Nolan, she had no other choice, but to learn that he is just he has some unique characteristics about him, but that he's just like her and he's just as capable of doing anything she can do. So I love it. I think that's fantastic. So, you know, kind of along those lines, um, you know, I know Nolan's only seven and, you know, you don't have 20 years of this, but there are new people, unfortunately, with children that are diagnosed every single day with autism or any other special need. And, you know, parenting three kids under the age of seven is a lot. And we talked about all of that. So do you have any tips or suggestions that maybe you've just kind of recently discovered um, in the last year or so about managing multiple kids and, you know, with one on the spectrum that you might share with somebody that's just kind of getting started <laughs> this whole mess? Yeah. I, I think my biggest piece of advice is, is make a system. And sometimes I get laughed at for like how rigid I am with my system and it's not even Nolan's very flexible he's not a rigid kid so if you if it's gym day and you tell him it's art day instead he'd be like okay we're going to art <laughs> not a big deal <laughs> so it's more me that's rigid and um I think 
it's how I function. Like I find a system that works and then I expect the kids who are capable of following it to follow it. And then I expect like the caregivers and helpers to follow it, not because it's my way or the highway, but because it's, if, if you do the system that I have discovered, it will be easier on everyone because everyone knows what's expected of them. Um, and you don't always find that out the right way. Um, Nolan is currently terrified of baths and we don't know why, but we have tried the system of first his siblings take a shower and then we turn off the water, it's silence, and then he gets his nice quiet bath. That didn't work. Okay, we will try, here's a bath. And then when you're, you get out, your siblings get in the shower. That didn't work. All right, we'll try. so we have tried, we had to find our system. And now our system is basically if we have two adults, my husband works a lot of nights, so there's not a lot of two adults. It's usually just me doing bedtime routine. But if we have two adults, we let the kids shower in our master bath so he doesn't hear the sound of the shower and then do a bath with him and he's alone in the bathroom. The other two have to be busy doing something else. And it took a long time to find that system. And it was frustrating finding that system. But once we found the system, that's the system. Like that, that is the way we do it. And it tells you that it should be some, some other way, yeah. right? And yeah. I think that's like, I have a system for just about everything. We just went to Hawaii in January for, um, I have a brother stationed there. So if your brother's stationed in Hawaii, you have to visit <laughs> have him to in go, Hawaii. Right. <laughs> um, but I left my systems all written out, color coded. My kids all have a color code. Nolan is always blue. Stella is always pink and Bryce is always green. So I would write my notes and if the kid's supposed to be doing something in bedtime routine, it's in their color so that you can just follow what kid's supposed to be doing what. And my mom's like, you realize you sent me a 10 page document. I do, you know, I do realize that, <laughs> I do realize that, but <laughs> I don't expect you to follow it to a T, but if you do, it might go a little bit smoother. Yeah. So um, it's definitely finding your system and go find that community, see what some of those other mom hacks are and some of the systems that work for someone else and then tweak it and find it. And once you find your system, don't be afraid to like, this is my system. This is how we do it and right. stand by that. And I think it brings you a lot of success, no matter if you have a kid on the spectrum or other disabilities or what it is. If you have kids and you have a system, I feel like it helps you check off the list every night, make sure you have it all done. The kids know what they're supposed to do. It's routine and then it gets a little, a little smoother. Yeah, I mean, it's especially, I think, important to do that when your kids are young, because it just teaches them a lot about responsibility and, you know, and you gradually probably deviate a little way from the system when they get older, because it becomes a routine at that point for them, and they just expect it. And I, you know, it's always, always funny, because like, our parents, like when my sister and my niece came and watched Skylar for us one time, um, and of course I had a, a binder of all of the stuff because they just don't know they're not around him all sure. the time. They just laugh and they're like, Oh my gosh, you know, I've raised kids before. Like I, I but I'm like, you haven't raised these kids. Before. <laughs> like I can specifically tell you where you're going to go wrong on day one. And you're going to call me crying. Like you got to come back. <laughs> so just trust me, stick with my binder and it'll all be great. So I mean, people can make fun of me. I don't care, but I yeah. agree with you. I, I like a system. 
And I'm OCD and type A. So systems work for me also. <laughs> yep. I am. I am that I, like I said, my kids are color coded and, and it's just, it's what works for me. And I mean, even, um, so Bryce, our youngest has lactose intolerance. And, um, right now we think he might be intolerance, but not allergic to strawberries. So, I mean, even when it comes to my color coding, I have plates and their colors. And when I'm making a plate, I know don't put any dairy on the green plate. Don't put dips because my daughter don't, don't put dips on the middle plate. And then I don't, and then like, I know Nolan's foods and things like that. And, and my husband did it. We didn't have, we were up North and we had paper plates and I'm like, well, did you put them in age order? And he's like, well, no. And I'm like, well, how do I know which one can't have dairy? Which one can't have dips if they're not at least in age order. And he's like, you're crazy. And I'm like, you need to take, a, what works. take a nap. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Oh Lord. That's awesome. Well, I know that you cover a lot of these things on your account. So again, um, your Instagram account, which is the one I follow most, uh, is stay at home zookeeper. And I will tag that in the notes so that people can find you and all your life hacks and your <laughs> product promotions and everything else you've got going on. Um, but thanks so much for being a guest. It's, um, like, like I say on every episode, everyone's journey is so unique. And I learned something about medications. I'm going to kind of inquire a little bit more about the patch when we hang yeah. up, but, um, but yeah, I mean, there's just, there's no right way to parent and there's no right way to parent a child with special needs. So I'm always welcome to hear how everybody else is doing it and see if I can steal something from them. So thank you for sharing your story. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. We'll take care. Thank you. You too. Okay. I hope you enjoyed this episode of living the sky life and we'll tune in for the next episode coming soon. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Living the Sky Life podcast within Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play so you'll receive alerts when new episodes are released. Subscribing is the best way to ensure you don't miss a single episode. If you like what you hear, be sure to select the five-star rating, provide feedback, and share Living the Sky Life with others. Thanks again for listening.